0: With your MX card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select campus events while supplies last make every tap
2: music to your ears.
0: Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on post reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from the Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise.
1: The Volume. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What is up,
2: Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre, Straight Fire. For Tuesday, August 22nd, got some great topics today as we slowly get to the end of August. We're limping to the start of the NFL season inside three weeks to play college football. Shockingly starts this weekend, so tomorrow we've got a great college football guest booked. Uh, he came on by demand. You guys asked for him last year. We gave it to you. Um, he's good on college football. Uh, I'll save you the name, so we'll keep some suspense for tomorrow tomorrow. And um, no great games this weekend. I saw Notre Dame's in action, but they're playing uh, somebody they're favored heavily over. And um, the games don't start in earnest until Labor Day weekend. All right, let's quickly get to, we got two topics that I love today. Um, I'm going to just give a little warning in advance. The second topic, it's near and dear to my heart because it's involving Steph Curry. And uh, the other side of the coin is near and dear to Rob G's heart. He is a big Laker guy. Now, I'm also a Laker guy, I'm just warning; it could get testy given some of the uh, chatter before the podcast. Uh, listen, obviously Rob and I like each other. Um, I think the topic will be fun, but we got to start in the NFL with Joe Montana, you know, who was by many accounts the greatest quarterback in NFL history until Tom Brady took that mantle from him. I don't know if Brady stole it with the, um, the Seattle Super Bowl where he, uh, the Seahawks had the best defense in the league and Brady went the length of the field twice in the fourth quarter. Touchdowns. Um, It might have been that comeback against the Falcons where they were getting smashed and they pull off an amazing comeback and win in overtime. But either way, Tom Brady eclipsed Montana as the greatest quarterback of all time. When I think Joe Montana, besides the Leonard Marshall hit that pretty much ended his career in San Fran and um, ended up sending him to the Chiefs, I think just Joe Montana like making it look easy, drop back. Clean pocket all the time. Jerry Rice, John Taylor. Who was the tight end? Brent Selick. No, he might have been with the um, Steve Young teams. Um, who was that tight end, Rob G? A lumbering, large, white guy with the Niners back in the day. Do you know his name?
3: I do no, not, but I can look it up while you're talking.
2: Yeah, you look it up. So bottom line is, Montana, classic dropback guy. And then they pivoted Dwight to— Dwight Clark. Dwight Clark. Thank you. Had the amazing there catch against the Cowboys in the back of the end zone. Yes. Dwight Clark. Um— But I think of that Montana in the pocket quarterback era, right, in the 80s. You didn't have your quarterbacks running back then. The one outlier was like late 80s, I think, maybe in early 90s, Randall Cunningham. He was just electric, taking crazy hits, elusive, and you're like, wow, this guy's amazing. And then the Niners ended up pivoting from Montana to Steve Young. And then a little bit after that, you had uh, Michael Vick. And then the floodgates kind of open, and you've got this totally diverse set of skills at quarterback, Cam Newton, uh, with Carolina getting to a Super Bowl. And now, all the elite quarterbacks in the league not only win from the pocket, but really are dangerous because they're mobile. And that's just not something that happened in the Montana era. Phil Simms drop back in the quarter. Three-step drop, four-step drop. Boom, boom. Go through the progressions, carving up these defenses. And Montana did an interview with USA Today this week promoting something or other with Joe Burrow. And, of course, because it was a promotional thing, you know, they got to hype up whatever they were promoting. They didn't pay us, so we're not promoting it. Buried at the end of the story, literally the last quote in the story. um, Joe Montana says, quarterbacks that win consistently now win from the pocket. And it's one of those quotes that might be overlooked by a lot of people, but Anyone who's been following the league for the last three years and watches trends and sees what's going on with the stats knows that that's just not factually correct. The best quarterbacks in the NFL right now consistently threaten teams with their feet. I don't know which website had the advanced stat that it was, Rob, but it was essentially saying that the most effective play in the NFL is not a handoff, it's not a dropback, it's a quarterback running the football. Now, obviously, there is massive um, variance with what's going to be the outcome. Is the quarterback going to fumble? Is he going to take a massive hit and go down and get injured? Um, But more often than not, these defenses are dropping back the too high shell. We're going to drop back, and the quarterback, hey, I'm not going to make a mistake. I'm going to go ahead and take six, seven, eight yards. And then you're setting yourself up for like a second and three. And on second and three, the entire playbook is open, you know? And that's you want to set yourself up on first down with a throw so you can set up a lot of other options on second and short. You don't want to consistently hand off like Joe Montana did back in the day to Roger Craig. He gets stuffed on first down out second and nine. Playbook shrinks considerably. Defense has an idea what's coming. You're most likely not running again on second down when it's second and eight, second and nine. So this is just the new advanced stats in the NFL. This is probably the last five, six years now. And... It's another reason running backs are slightly being devalued. I know a lot of people don't like that. I put up the air quotes for devalued. But if you look at Patrick Mahomes, you can't just say, well, he's an outlier, Jay. No, no, he's not. Josh Allen, who has not been to a Super Bowl but is tremendous and is a franchise quarterback and is one of the highest paid players in the league and is an MVP candidate, is a massive threat because of the ability to run the football. Jalen Hurts went from... A running quarterback to, oh, now I've got A.J. Brown. I can win from the pocket and I can run. And Jalen Hurts nearly won the MVP last year. Justin Herbert, if you're building a quarterback in a lab, that's what you want. 6'5", can drop back, make any pass on the field to any place in the field. He'll make it rain into a bucket 40 yards down the field in the window that the quarterbacks can't touch it. And, oh, by the way, Justin Herbert is extremely long-legged, and fast and nimble and could take hits. Now, he did take a hit last year in the ribs, remember, which kind of rattled their midseason. So you've got to be careful with that. But his ability to do both keeps defenses consistently guessing. You're not losing sleep at night when you're facing, an ex- at least in 2023, when you're just facing a pocket quarterback. Now, you're like, Jade. name somebody. The problem is I'm looking around the league, and almost every quarterback in the top 15 has a running element. If you're really looking at a guy who is mostly pocket, I would say, and maybe Ron could find a better example, is Kirk Cousins is the most pocket quarterback out there. Now, are you losing sleep if you're a defensive coordinator over Kirk Cousins? Or are you more worried about Justin Jefferson going for 12 and 200 yards and two touchdowns? I don't know. People are trying to make the case that Joe Burrow is extremely pocket. I, I kind of disagree with that. You know, you look at some of the playoff games. He's winning with his legs. Some big third downs um, against the Bills in that playoff game. He had a great running game against the Chiefs uh, in the AFC title game. I think he had four rushes, thirty yards. This is a guy who was a point guard on his AU team and was like maybe going to be a college basketball like low D one guy. Like I don't consider him a just a pocket quarterback. Um, his ability to scramble, his elusiveness. Uh, Joe Burrow is is amazing. What's been interesting is Montana's comments come kind of at the end of an era, right? Look at these quarterbacks from the OOs and the, the teens, I guess, if you will, who were almost exclusively pocket quarterbacks and dominated the league. Eli Manning, extremely pocket. Phillip Rivers had no wheels whatsoever. Tom Brady obviously wins a lot of Super Bowls. Um, Peyton Manning, strictly pocket. Drew Brees, strictly pocket. A lot of success. The league has changed. You've got a lot of these quarterbacks now, Rob. They, you know, they weren't necessarily the best quarterback. They were the best maybe athlete in sixth grade. And then you're like, oh, well, this guy's already got the athletic component. Let's see how he can read a defense. Let's see what his arm is like. And that's when the quarterbacks make the jump to light speed. So in the seven on sevens, it's like you can see the guy isn't just a pocket quarterback. He's an athlete. It, the old adage used to be, you want an alpha back there at quarterback. I, I, I think the you, know, leader, guy in the huddle, um, obviously you still want that. But I think you want an athlete back there in an era when defensive ends are as big and fast as strong as we've ever seen. You know, go back and look at the 80s. Some of those edge rushers, with the exception of, like, a Lawrence Taylor, they were larger guys, 300-pound defensive ends. Now, they're, like, 250 and can bend and get to the quarterback extremely fast. They're lighter, faster, and just as strong or stronger. So you've got to have your quarterback who's nimble and able to get out of there. So, Rob, I would just totally disagree with Joe Montana. (coughs) And I know Montana (coughs) obviously has won a lot more. That I've won at the quarterback level, you know, and and that includes my backyard quarterbacking back in the day where I was obviously undefeated. <coughs> but Rob, I just I disagree with the overall sentiment, and I think if your quarterback doesn't have a running element now, um, you're in trouble. By the way, Trevor Lawrence, remember him against Clemson, against Ohio State, one of the best 70 yard touchdown runs I've ever seen for a quarterback. I, that run gives me goosebumps. I love watching it. <coughs> and oh, by the way, the quarterback coming out now, who's set to be the best running quarterback passing quarterback since, like, Andrew Luck or Lawrence is Caleb Williams, who is an excellent runner. So, Rob, this feels like, you know, old man Montana kind of yelling at a cloud.
3: Yes, and, and I'm going to say this with all due respect. Usually when someone says with all due respect something super disrespectful is about to follow. Uh-oh. But everything that Joe Montana told USA Today is wrong. It is no longer correct. That line of thinking has expired in today's
0: NFL. That's the powerful
2: backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: You brought up a lot of of salient points, and I'm just going to give people numbers. because I know a lot of our listeners are very analytical. They want the facts over the feelings kind of arguing. We get that a lot in the comments, right? So if you take out Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, because they've kind of bridged the gap between the two generations, and even then, both of those guys are probably more known for their ability to move than just just much to throw the football, you know, Russell Wilson obviously more so, but what made Aaron Rodgers so special in his prime was his ability to escape, make plays on the run, 50-yard flick rolling to his right, and that's what you know separated him from a lot of other guys. But if you just look at the quarterbacks that you would classify as a quote-unquote mobile quarterback in the classic sense of the word, Patrick Mahomes is 48 games above 500 as a starter. Josh Allen is 28 games. Jalen Hurts is 12 games. Lamar Jackson is 29 games. Dak Prescott is 25 games above 500. On the flip side, if you look at guys who are considered quote unquote pocket quarterbacks, and we'll even include Joe Burrow just to give these guys some kind of ammunition in the argument. Joe Burrow, as great as he is, seven games over 500. Justin Herbert, again, we'll give them Justin Herbert because he doesn't run all that often. He can, but he doesn't do that often. One game above 500. Kurt Cousins, the guy you brought up, nine games over 500. Matthew Stafford, 12 games below 500. Like, this is unfortunately, or fortunately, depending how you look on it, unfortunate for Joe Montana. This is the way the league is skewing. When you say, if you want the team to win consistently, the quarterback has to play mainly in the pocket, that is factually incorrect. You're holding on to visions of yourself and Tom Brady who want a certain way that just does not apply anymore. Patrick Mahomes, almost by himself, has shattered the mold of what we thought a quarterback was supposed to do. If you watch him play, and if you're a quarterback coach, and we know a few of them that have come on this show and we've talked to outside of the show, they say there's so many things that he does that you coach not to do. The no look pass. The, the run and throw it ac- back across your body, the jump pass, all these different things that they say in a classic quarterback sense, you are never supposed to do. He does at a high level and that's what makes him special. So for Joe Montana to say that you have to win from the pocket, maybe in 2002, maybe even as recent as you know 2012, yeah. but in the year 2023, that is not true.
2: Yeah, I'm not crapping on pocket quarterbacks. I think we talked about with the Aiden O'Connell thing yesterday, um, Nick Foles went to a Super Bowl, albeit he just played in the playoffs. Uh, he's a pocket guy. Um, Matt Ryan in Atlanta, pocket guy, went to the Super Bowl, obviously Brady. Uh, and there was Jared Goff, who uh, is not nimble. Um, I guess he could escape if need be, but he's a pocket guy. He went to the Super Bowl with McVay. Um, and of course, McVay pivots off him to bring in Stafford, who's got an even better arm and is a little more elusive. I don't know. Would you classify Stafford as a pocket guy? I. Uh, he, I think he would be more of a pocket guy than Joe Burrow. Is that fair?
3: Yeah, but even still, historically says he has a losing record. Like, if you want to say... Well, if, if on, Joe, on, if if on, Joe on, Well, on. if Joe Montana wants to, wants to qualify a statement and say, if you want to win Super Bowls, then you have to win from the pocket, that's a better argument for him. Because if you would just look at historically the teams that have won the Super Bowl, because Tom Brady has won so many of them, that, like, fits your argument. But if you're just talking about winning football games... The guys who move around win more in the regular season than yeah. the "quote unquote" pocket guys.
2: I mean, I think you're being harsh on Stafford' losing record. Like he was in Detroit, the worst franchise in I don't I think the history of the league. I don't remember the last time they got a playoff win. Um, and it's not all Stafford's fault. Like he was surrounded by ineptitude. Um, I I don't know who it was, but somebody broke down the defensive DVOA ratings of all the Stafford teams, and they were all in Detroit. I think they were like one of them might have, maybe one was top ten. And the rest were all just putrid. And the year they were top ten, I think. Call me on it if I'm wrong. That's fine. Um, I think they went to the playoffs and lost to Dallas. And I remember because um, there was a questionable uh, pass interference play, or uh, Detroit was driving in the fourth quarter, and there was a questionable flag that didn't go their way, and they ended up losing. But uh, they didn't have any good defensive teams in Detroit. And um, let's not let's not hammer Stafford. Although I don't know if you've seen any Rams, um, Rob G. Rams reports about the offensive line. Already not looking good. I'm worried about Stafford, bro. Um, I like him. I think he's got. I think he's got plenty left in the tank. But this could be a long year uh, for the Rams.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue, while you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings.
1: Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Pirelli test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen
2: when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
1: Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex
2: Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right. Let's get to um, this NBA topic real quick. And again, it is late August. So we're not doing a ton of NBA. Yesterday, we had, obviously, the USA Basketball, Anthony Edwards, Austin Reeves. And today, Steph Curry is in the news. And yes, some people are hammering him, and that's fine. That's my guy, Curry. You know that. Um, Steph Curry is promoting something. This is what August is about, promotional stuff. And Gilbert Arenas said, oh, I'll promote it. So he flew his podcast to wherever Curry was, I guess, Northern California, and Gilbert Arenas. just a quick note on me and Gilbert Arenas. The first NBA jersey I bought and wore in public was Gilbert Arenas' Washington Wizards. Was it bullets or? Wizards? It was, it was wizards. Um, like 2014, 15. Oh, no, 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 no. This was like 2005-6 when he was like the Hibachi before the gun incident. Um, when he was just a scoring machine, he was so fun. Big, big fan of Gilbert Arenas, just in case he hears this or his people send it to him. I'm, I was a huge Gilbert Arenas fan. Obviously, the gun thing changed things. And on this pod, I gave away the Arenas jersey. That being said, he asked Curry, who's the greatest point guard of all time? And Steph Curry, knowing that whatever he says is going to go viral, he's, I think, been asked this question about, like, who are the top five shooters or the top five point guards of all time? And he usually leaves himself out or top five players, whatever it is. He leaves himself out. This time, he's like, you know what? I'm going to take the bait. And if you watch the video, Steph Curry's like, just like thinking about it. And he's staring straight forward. And after three or four seconds, he goes, me. And you just know when he says that, it's, it's going to cause a kerfuffle. Um, he goes on to explain, like, within seconds, it's got to be me or Magic, right? And that's obvious. We've been on that early. And I can still take claim to fame, Rob. You know this. 2017 your boy went on Cowherd show the clip they clipped it off it did monster numbers Uh, and I said Steph Curry was the second best point guard of all time this was way early Um, I think it was yeah 2017 might have been 2016 or 2017 but all these people were like oh come on John Stockton Isaiah Thomas Oscar Robert I said bleep off guys it's Curry trust me or as my son likes to say trust he doesn't say trust me he just says trust um so I've been early on this. And I will also admit, yes, Curry's my favorite player of all time. Before that, it was Magic Johnson. Ask my parents. Anytime I was in a basketball league, I demanded, begged for Jersey 32. I thought I was Magic. I wasn't <laughs> News newsflash. I was not Magic Johnson. Um, and he was my favorite player. I had, like, the, the Lakers pennant on my wall. I guess they did pennants for NBA teams, whatever. I had, like, Magic Johnson poster. I had the video, trading cards. I was a Magic guy. We've discussed this a lot. Who's the best point guard, Curry or Magic? And Curry saying himself has Rob All worked into a lather. And I'm just going to say, Gilbert Arenas made a silly argument about when I go to the playground and when I go to AAU games, everybody's emulating Steph Curry. Gil, bro, what are you doing? Like, that has nothing to do with who the greatest player of all time is. Like, nobody emulates... uh, uh, Michael Jordan at the playground. Nobody emulates Shaq. You can't. You can only emulate Curry because he shoots a b- billion three pointers from deep. Uh, ultimately, this is going to come down to how do I phrase this? This is going to come down to awards and accolades, and it's going to come down to a numbers game. And people are going to say, well, Magic has him in titles five to four, Magic has him in the MVPs three to two. Magic had him in finals MVPs, three to one. Where's Curry better? And I will just quickly add. If you're doing it that way, you're forgetting something massive when it comes to, to Magic Johnson. He was drafted onto a team with one of the top four players in the history of the sport, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Because of some draft luck wizardry, I still don't know how this happened. A few years later, they end up getting James Worthy in the draft. A top, was he top three or four pick? Might have been number two overall. I don't even know. But he was an elite pick. So you're telling me Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and James Worthy were the nucleus of a team that wrecked the 80s. And now all of a sudden, Magic's getting all the accolades for five titles? He did win. Oh. Oh, wait. No, he, he didn't. He didn't win a title without Jabbar. Interesting. I I remember Michael Thompson was there. and I don't know if Eldon Campbell was in the Magic, or that might have been like the post-HIV Magic where Magic came back for like six games or whatever. Um, So Magic has zero titles without Jabbar. His playoff resume after Kareem Abdul-Jabbar retired was swept by the Detroit Pistons. That was a series I think Magic and Byron Scott got hurt. They lost in the second round. And then they lost in the finals to the Bulls, and then Michael, uh, Magic was done. Um, I also looked at the MVPs. This is maybe only interesting to me. 1990, Magic won the MVP after Jabbar had left. So Magic, because Jabbar leaves, Magic's soaking up more accolades, more attention, more points, more everything. Magic accumulates an MVP award when Charles Barkley led the league in first place votes for the MVP. Magic had more second and thirds. I would have to do more digging to find out why people would vote Barkley one, but not two and three. And then in 1989, it was a battle of Magic and Jordan, and Magic won out. Jordan, of course, this is before—that was the year, I think, the final year Jordan got stuffed in, uh, by the Pistons. So if you take that stuff into account, like, oh, teammates, I think it's much, much closer than you would just on on who's winning that. Now, if you want to look at the numbers, like who's got more points? Well, obviously Curry. Who's got more threes? Well, obviously Curry. More assists. Obviously Magic. He's 6'9". He's going to have more rebounds. And that's where it gets a little wonky. What's interesting is a question, Rob, that I don't know if there's an answer to. On how many of those Lakers teams was Magic Johnson the best player? Because Worthy got Finals MVP one year. Uh, I believe it was 80-80. He had a triple-double in Game 7. Jabbar obviously got uh, a a Finals MVP. I think maybe a regular season MVP. But outside of a window where Kevin Durant showed up in uh, Golden State and they won two titles, Seth Curry unequivocally was the best player on all those Warriors teams. All of them. Like Andrew Wiggins had a couple games. But it was Curry. And... From that vantage point and factoring in Curry's size, uh, you know, 6'3", below the rim in an era of freakish athletes, versus 6'9", and I, I think Curry has a strong case for himself despite not having the accolades. The same way LeBron, for me, is the goat over Jordan despite not having six rings and blah, 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 blah. The defense has rested, Rob. Go ahead and tear it to shreds. I know you're <laughs> ch- champing at the bit.
3: Look, all I'm going to say is, before I get into the, the meat of the argument, is you keep letting that one time that you went to the gym doing a superset and <laughs> Steph Curry walked up behind you, gave you a spot, and you're like, this guy is the greatest thing since sliced bread. He will now be my favorite player of all time. Look, Steph Curry is great, and 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 I don't want to make it seem like I'm disrespecting <laughs> Steph Curry. I have him like borderline top, like think maybe like top ten or t- like twelve, if I were to really break it out. Like top you have twelve. Him above Kobe, time. by the way, no, okay. no, not yet. I mean, he, his 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 story is still being written. Mm-hmm. He has a little bit more work to do there. And everything you said about Steph Curry is accurate, right? He's the greatest shooter of all time. Um, extra points for for. Basically building a dynasty out of thin air because that Golden State Warriors team historically is just not a great franchise. I mean, the fact that they still hang on to the We Believe Warriors, which I believe won one playoff series. And like that's like their claim to fame and all these guys are on TV and podcasts now because of it. Like that's what he resurrected as. And so he gets extra points for that, of course. But as much as you don't want to talk about the counting stats when you're discussing players of this caliber, you have to, you know, nitpick. And fortunately for me, you don't have to nitpick very hard to determine that Magic Johnson is still leaps and bounds ahead of Steph Curry all time. One more championship, two more finals MVP, one more regular season MVP, five more all-NBA first teams, three more all-star appearances. So the gap between Steph Curry and Magic Johnson is basically like another Hall of Fame career. It's like Paul Pierce. Like If you added Paul Pierce's career to Steph Curry, then maybe you get to Magic Johnson. And then if you look at just the raw numbers, which I know this is kind of boring for listeners, but outside of points where Steph Curry's ahead by about 4,000, Magic hasn't beaten. Rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. And they've played only like 20 games different.
2: I think it's less than that. Uh, well, depending yeah, on and, regular season and playoffs. Yeah, you know.
3: playoffs. I think we factor in playoffs. Because Curry had games.
2: a lot of injuries early in his career. Exactly. Right.
3: And 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 Magic's career was cut short due to AIDS. Yeah. So we can only imagine if Steph Curry's healthy in the beginning, what his accolades look like. We can also only imagine if Magic never gets HIV, how many more All NBAs, how many more cracks at the apple does he get to win an NBA championship? Fair. So both of these guys are all time greats. It's just something that has bothered me going back now a couple of years it's become more prevalent with social media. Everybody likes to think that what they see now is better than anything that ever existed before. And that might be true in some instances because of technology and, you know, bigger, faster, stronger. And I get all of that, but that doesn't mean you can just go ahead and disrespect the guys that came before you because you prefer this style of play or the way this guy does things. Because you brought it up, Gilbert Arenas' whole argument in favor yeah. of Steph Curry over Magic Johnson, which I'm glad you pointed out was stupid, was well, I see more guys at the park and AAU who play like Steph than Magic. Like, That's because more guys play like uh, Joel Embiid than they do like Shaq, does that mean Shaq's not better than Joel Embiid? No. It's just, you know, it's easier to duplicate that style of play because Shaq and Magic have freakish athleticism and size for their position like that shouldn't be held against them and so this is a roundabout way again of me saying Steph Curry's great he's nowhere close to Magic Johnson
2: nowhere close so the all-NBA thing the all-NBA thing was interesting um, five different all-NBA uh, I'm trying to think who are the point guards that are getting all-NBA over Curry in the last decade like the I la- well Boy, Actually, Dave, you have to. Go
3: back didn't get first team. Luka Doncic has been running through it pretty quickly. Yeah, he's putting so up one.
2: ridiculous stats. Um, that's yeah, that's interesting. Um, and 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 I know people love to say Magic Eight in the Jordan era and the Bird era. That's fine. Um,
3: and Steph is, Eight in the LeBron era.
2: So yeah, that, that yeah, that counts um, for him too. Yeah, the arenas didn't have much of an argument. And this is a, a very vague question because I don't know that there's like a concrete answer. But, Rob, taking into, by the way, the Lakers season two of that winning time just started last night. I recorded it. I haven't seen it. Um, taking into account what Magic and Bird did in the 80s for for the NBA and what curry's impact has been on the league and basketball as a whole in the last 15 years who has had a bigger impact on basketball not just the nba basketball Ooh. in their career cuz i think most people would think magic initially but if you look at curry oh my, i don't even think it's close dude
3: I mean, it's it's really tough because it's it's whether you value the globalization of the game and you know getting it on television the way magic johnson and larry bird did and then Steph Curry just fundamentally changing the way people play basketball. Well, I would and, say, and, that, and it's just it's different. So it's kind of what you prefer.
2: Well, it's it, the globalization is more Dream Team, and I think that was technically Jordan's team. Magic was on it, but I would say getting the NBA on TV, getting it on the map, Magic Johnson, hands down. But right, it, it's it, again. I know people aren't going to like putting Curry in in the Magic discussion. The best thing to do 10 years from now, Curry's been removed from the league for 10 years. Does magic and does this discussion look different when you look at post-career? Because Curry's still in it. People are not going to want to give him credit. Oh, his story's still being written, but I don't know, man. It's absolutely
3: going to be different because Steph Curry, even in his advanced age, he's one of those guys whose game is aging gracefully because of how well he shoots. How well he keeps himself in condition. Like, I, mean, I don't know if you saw the videos on social media. Like Luka Doncic tried to do one of those Steph Curry workouts,
2: yeah. <laughs>
3: and it looked like me and you out there trying to do one of those Steph. Like we're, he just bent over. He can't bounce the ball anymore. Like he was, he was done. And Steph Curry is gonna add at least two to three more All NBA. I don't know if they'll be first team, but he'll definitely add at least two to three more All NBA teams. He's gonna be in the championship mix as long as he wants to be. I think in Golden State. Um, and and he's always going to be to me in the NBA Mount Rushmore because of what he's done for the NBA and the way it's played. It's just,
2: is when Magic you're on that Mount Rushmore?
3: If he is, it's him and Bird together. Hmm. I would so, say yes. I, I so I would say yes.
2: So at 32 years old, Curry averaged a league leading 32 points per game, shot 48, 42, 91 at 32. At 32, Magic Johnson wasn't even in the league, right? Wasn't he done at 31? Right, but that's and not now, fair comparison. That's not fair, but I'm just saying the, the stuff Curry's powers. doing. Fine, how about this? 34 years old last year, Curry averaged 29 points a game at 34. That's one of the highest marks of anyone that age ever. It's like Karl Malone, Michael Jordan. Oh, Steph Curry. Like, centers aren't doing that. Point guards aren't doing that. I don't know if Luka's going to be doing that at 34. For him to average 29, you know, it's not like he's even going down. I don't think, Curry. If anything, he's at the plateau and he's just coasting. Like, yeah. it's, it's crazy what he's doing at this age. And I don't know, how many more max years of superstardom does he have left? One, two, I don't know. I mean, nobody thought Brady would be playing at 45 and winning a Super Bowl in his mid-40s. Like, I don't know.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird to say this, but he and LeBron James are very similar in that it seems like they can be all-star caliber players until they just decide they don't want to be anymore. Because of the... Like, LeBron, thankfully, because of the way his body is, he's able to transform from being a guy who plays on the wing to a guy who basically just plays at the rim. That's going to be what he does now. Steph Curry, so long as his ankles hold up, which they have now for over a decade, I don't see any signs of him slowing down. So, well, I, I to your agree. point, 10 years from now, he's going to have more accolades to put on his resume that could make this a much, in my opinion, a much closer conversation than it is right now here in the middle of August. I
2: guess, I mean, to, I guess to wrap it up, I would say, you know, if you ask, if you ask 50 people who are over the age of 40, I think most would say magic. If you ask 50 people who are under the age of say 35, I bet most would say Steph Curry. This is going to be a complicated one because it's close. When you look at that now, Uh, You look at those counting stats. Where it gets real tricky, Rob, is let's say the Warriors pivot and uh, get off clay and add another guy and win another title. Okay? I think the same people who are saying, oh, LeBron only played with stars, they're going to be like, whoa, 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 Curry only tied Magic because they added, let's just say, Paolo Bancaro. It's not him. He's not whatever. But a star. That's the only reason. And he had Kevin Durant. But wait a minute. Magic Johnson had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and James Worthy for his entire prime. James Worthy is a top 30 player all time. Is that too generous? 30 to 40, definitely in there. Okay, yeah. uh, uh, Jabbar is top five by everybody. anybody with a clue. Uh, I mean, like Magic had the. No, I can't think of anyone who played on more stacked teams than Magic Johnson. And I don't think the answer is LeBron. I think Magic yeah. played on more stacked teams than anybody. LeBron never played that, with that's another. A, that's
3: a good. I never thought of it that way, but it's okay. it's. He's up there for sure. So uh, I don't think he ever played with a team that didn't that wasn't loaded. LeBron Until, like, played the very with Wade. End of his career.
2: Yeah, right. LeBron played with Wade, who's a top twenty guy all time. Right. Yes. Okay. Played with Chris Bosh. I don't think Chris Bosh is in James worthy territory. I'm sorry, people. James worthy was a Finals MVP with a triple double in Game Seven. Okay. Bosh is not there. It was Bosh. They even don't call top you 75? big game
3: James for nothing.
2: Was Bosh top seventy five? I don't, I don't think so. I don't. Yeah, he's not. Okay. So then LeBron goes and plays with Kyrie. Let's slow our roll on Kyrie freaking Irving. Okay, <laughs> he's not top fifty. I don't, I don't even think. Top, I don't even know if he's top seventy-five. Um, and who's the other? Who's the third guy? Oh, Kevin Love. Stop. Kevin Love's not top fifty. He's not. So then LeBron goes and plays with AD. Is he? Is he a top fifty all time? I don't
3: know. He might finish his career. Fine, in that fine.
2: Range. He's not top forty. Yeah. I, no. I mean, you say who's had a better career, James Worthy or Anthony Davis? And again, James Worthy Worthy played with stacked teams. AD's played with Drew Holiday and guys in New Orleans. Like, I mean, Anthony Davis did win a title with Kentucky. Like, by himself. Well, no, he had a good team. I'm not by
3: himself. Well, you know who else escapes this criticism, which uh, I I hate to, like, spin it this way? Larry Bird needs to be, if we were to say the loaded team, um, you know, argument. Larry Bird always played on stacked teams in Boston.
2: McHale. Like, if you just...
3: That decade was Hall of Fame roster versus Hall of Fame roster and then just going at it. And then, yeah. oh, by the way, Isaiah Thomas's Pistons
2: come in and win too. Yeah, and oh, by the way, like 24 teams in that league were garbage, right? Oh, wait right. a minute. You're saying 80s basketball <laughs> wasn't loaded. Interesting, Rob. All right, that's another topic for another day.
0: Uh, we'll close it on that. We College football tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.